Yes, yes, y'all. Soon you'll be able to get this self-help from the hip, not just for your ear holes, but for your eyeballs. Place your pre-order today for my upcoming book, Small Doses, Potent Truth for Everyday Use. Featuring gem-dropping essays, that one-time stories, thoughts, poems, and doodles, all dedicated to providing simple advice for the side effects of life. Head to smalldosesbook.com today and place your pre-order. Get into it. It's so funky. <laughs> trigger warning, trigger, trigger warning. This episode discusses topics relating to addiction, violence, and death. So I want to give you guys a heads up that we're going to get into some things. It gets a little heavy, but you know how it go. I always try and make it a laugh at a certain point, but want to make sure you know that before you get ah caught out there. Trigger warning. That was a trigger warning. So people, people are very excited, Mr. Sadiq. They're very excited. We need them to be. They're very excited that you're here. You're joining us. He's in the room on the little bed. With all... <laughs> He's in my narcissism space. And um, we have Mr. Raphael Steak joining us today on Side Effects of Addiction. Now, first of all, eight years since you dropped a project. Yep. <clears throat> um, the question that every single interviewer asks you is, what have you been doing in that eight years? I'm not going to ask you that because okay. kind of like I already know the answer. First of all, you've been doing the music for Insecure for some of that time. Yeah. And um, and also probably you were just doing whatever the fuck you wanted to do. Exactly and it's none what of our like I was doing. Business. You know, walking down the street. Like normal <laughs> stuff. Drinking coffee, talking to my mother, hanging on my nieces and nephews, and just, you know, real things. You know, people don't think that, like, quote-unquote celebrities do that. Yeah, I don't even feel like a celebrity I do it so much. Because the whole <laughs> celebrity thing is stupid. Very stupid. It's Very really stupid. dumb, and people like to act like if you're known, or if you're creating really dope work, that, like, you're... Constantly doing it. No. No. And you can't. Who wants to? I mean, so like, if you're coming back after eight years, I feel like you have so much of life lived yeah. to put into something new. Yeah, true. And, I, and the whole time, I guess, I'm always making music. Music is like my hobby too. So I'm not just making music for albums. I'm making music because I have a space to make it. Like you know, I had, I grew up in a room about this small, and all I did was play with my, my sister's vinyl records. I had a little bass amp called a Univox. I had a little fake Fender jazz bass guitar for, you know, who don't know what that is. The Fender is like the real Louis Vuitton. I had the fake one <laughs> that I okay. thought was real. Right, right, right. And I treated it like that. Like I had a, I felt like I had a billion dollars in that one room because I had the, the bass and the amplifier when the little red light came on. I When I went outside, I was trying to get people inside my house. So I said, let me, so you can hear me play this song. You know, they would come in like, all right, boy, let's go outside. Right, right, right. So like, now I have a big room where I make music at. So I just, when I'm- Be in the room. Yeah, when I'm not making, you know, music for albums, I'm I'm just making music sometimes. Do you think that that is what has aided in your longevity? Like the fact that you're able to make music outside of just making it to make money? Yes, all the time. I think that's- that's exactly what it is. I always tell people, um, 
you know, like 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 younger dudes come by my studio and they go like, man, you know, <clears throat> I want to you know play at a club. I'm like, bro, you gotta get people to do stuff for free. They you got you guys have to do things for free in the beginning because mm-hmm. you know like, when I was with the Tonys and before we were called Tony Tony Tony. Um, Can I just have yeah, a moment real quick? Of course, yeah. Tony 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 has done it again. <laughs> Okay. So, we, you know, we, we get, came together. Why did Whitney just judge me? Don't be judging me over there in that corner. You know you wanted to do that the first time you met him. Quit playing. She might not even know about that. She might be too young. <laughs> she looked at me so uh, crazy just now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, just, we, you get together and you just you just do things just to... Just to do play it. Play in a room to walk out and play for a group of people. And if you, it's hard for people to do that in L.A. and in different places. But for me... Well, you're from the Bay. I'm from so the Bay. You know, it's like you have to stay in the house some of the time and play music, or she's going to get mm. murked or slapped or somebody like, oh, oh to slap you. you. Right. You know, when you go to when you go to the store in Oakland, it's like, you know, it's a conscious effort. When you go, you know, it's very beautiful people there, cool people. I'm not going to play it down like it's bad like that. I but mean, you have to be intentional. You just, you know, you can't. You, if, you, if you joke, if you capping, if you, you know, we call it ranking back in the day. You have to be good, uh, you know, taking jokes and talking, you know, talking back. You have to be really good at telling jokes about different people's mothers and fathers and, you know, raggedy cars and, you know, your mother's nails are like long and you, you your family don't get to take no vacations. It, it was, we were just mean kids. So <laughs> other than that, you know, music was my other outlet to like get to hang out with other people and play music, you know, so. When I got in the music industry, it was like, oh, this is a, this is a slam dunk. All right. I have to do is just play music I like and other people like, and, and you just have to figure that out. And I think that's, that, you know, has a lot to do with my longevity, just trying to sh- touch people's like little nerve, like what they might like. But you managed to do it in like one, two, three different three. forms. Yeah, yeah. I just, um, it's, it's my dress up. I like to play. I like to, I tell people like, my records are, I'm, 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 I'm a character every record. I'm not, mm. um, I didn't grow up being a singer. You know, I grew up playing, you know, instruments, bass, guitar, right. drums, or whatever somebody let me play. Um, singing was the last thing I wanted to do. So when I did it, I played behind a lot of people. So I knew how to mock people. So in my head, I sound like Stevie Wonder, but I don't. Okay. But it helps me get that song done, you know? It helps that process, so... Then I might want to be like, you know, you heat, know my heat wave. Do you wonder songs are when he would be getting mad in songs like <laughs> was, <laughs> in Rocket Love? He's <laughs> yeah. like, I would not do that to a dog. And you like, damn, yeah. Stevie, yeah. I feel you. I feel I, you. Funny, I used to play that song to girls that you like before you learn how to talk to girls a real way. So I would like when I ran out of words, I would put the phone down on the bed and I would play Stevie. Like you took me in the rocket and gave me a star. My brother half a mother minute. You dropped me back down to this cold, cold world. Then I pick up the phone. I'm, I'm back. back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you do whatever you, you have to do. Interlude. Yeah. yeah you back, I'm back. You never went anywhere. <laughs> you never went anywhere. I no. just want you to just he, they needed to hear this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said so there was Stevie Heat Wave. Star of a story. Yeah, wow. Okay. What? Yeah. Wow. That's my that's my bike riding. So when I ride bikes, my bike, I just put that on. I just I could ride for miles to that song. Star of a story is my jam. You know, we've we've been on an album together. What? Really? Which? Whoa. Which? Which one? The Renaissance. The, the Renaissance. The Renaissance. We fight. We love. Nora Jones, Raphael Sadiq, D'Angelo, and. 
Amanda Diva. That was my what? former name. I knew about that. I knew about that. Man, woman, buggy. I didn't know you was on this record though. Yeah. That's wow. What I, feel like. I just know you do backflips. Ralph, what are you talking about? I seen you do a backflip, <laughs> a flip flop. I was looking at you on Instagram. I was like, "What? She's dope. She just ran out in the yard. Was like, blap, 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 blap." I grew up with a bunch of like flippers and gy- gy- gymnasts <laughs> That's when I was so school. random. Yeah, I was waiting to say that. I was like, yeah, I got to tell her about the flip-flop. I was impressed I'm by the flip-flop. I'm very proud that you were impressed by the flip-flop. The flip-flop is the most impressive thing. I was like, you know what the hell with everybody else? She's 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 an activist. She be on her. She be on everything. She be telling people off. She's funny. Then I heard you as an artist in the middle of that somewhere. But then I was like, yo, bro, but she did a flip-flop. <laughs> ran on to the flip-flop on some beautiful lawn, grass. In Grenada. Yeah, we used to have that much grass, you know, on our, you know, at, at school. And we just run out. And I could never do a flip-flop. I used to go sideways. <laughs> Hit him with the... Yeah. That's why you wear your hat to the side. That's this is the right. first time I feel like your hat that's is actually... Right. Straight. Straight. Yeah, I, I got tired of flipping my hat to the side a little bit. I'm like, we kind of like... So. I saw you from a distance recently, and I was like, his, his hat, hat gonna fall off. His hat gonna fall off. His hat gonna fall off. It's gonna fall off. That's I the, think we were at BET Awards. That was BET. And it was... I wasn't gonna flip the hat, but I was like, flip the hat. <laughs> I got caught up. Flip the hat. But I you were it. like far... Because I really... I feel like there's been a number of times where you were adjacent to me and I didn't get to meet you. And I was like, this is, I was telling Rebecca and, and Brendan, I was like, this is the first time that we have a guest on the show who the first time we're meeting them yeah. is they're coming to my house. Because the guests on my show, the only requisite is I have to like them. Understandable. So it, it's literally a segment called People I Like. Yeah. <laughs> because... When you do shows like this, there's a lot of times people will just want to have people on your show because you have a podcast or they have something to promote. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, but I don't fuck with them. You know? Yeah. So like, I don't like them. And then people are like, oh, but that's not what the point is. So I've literally made the segment. People oh, well, I like. People know it's people that you like because when you come on, sometimes when you come on and it's just your face and you get ready to talk, I'm, I'm just sitting there like, oh, shit, it's about to... It's about to go <laughs> down in a few seconds. She about to be like, it's about to be real too? <laughs> But it's about to really happen. <laughs> so I understand. I can see your show being called that. It makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> because I'm a very deliberate person. That's good. You know? you know what I love about your music, too, is that you find ways to inter- to interject. Not interject, that's the word I'm looking for. To integrate sounds that typically I feel like wouldn't be there. Like, I think the best example is Still Ray. Because mm. when the tuba yeah. comes in, it's still Ray. No one is thinking, but is he going to drop the tuba, tuba though? <laughs> is, is the nigga going to come with the tuba? You know? but, but when it comes in, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like it's a sound that you're not typically used to hearing. Yeah. It's a bass, but it's not the yeah. kick that we're accustomed to. Exactly. And it's, but it's still very intense. I just like, I, I just like, Making people uncomfortable, but at the same time making them like it. I feel like that's my challenge in, as as to be a musician. I grew up in the playing in like concert bands, uh, you know, jazz bands. I I played first trombone in school, so 
usually if it's an instrument sitting around, I'm like, it shouldn't just be sitting there. We got to find something to use this instrument in. And I feel like I'm in the music business and this shit is supposed to be about music. So let me find some things that most people don't pay attention to just so my life is not boring. <laughs> right. And then, you know, then I want to put them on it. But I'm like, I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to be, you know, uh, so formulaic. You know, I love instrumentation and I feel like the more you can add instrumentation and still be groovy and dope and fun, you should do it. But I think people get scared a little bit by their audience. They get scared of, you know, like, you know, a black audience ain't going to like this. Oh, one million percent. You know, and I'm like, nah, y'all black ass ass is going to enjoy this. Like, I do that. My black ass made it. Yeah. Y'all black ass made it. I'm black. Y'all got to get it. We we, going to get it. We all love music. I'm like, and you're not just black. You Oakland black. I'm Oakland black. That's where I tell. The home of Pippin' and Panthers. I told told this girl one time. She was talking to me. She's really rah-rah, right? So, you know, I don't. don't, Please define rah-rah. Rah-rah just means she was so hood and she used to fighting her dude, you know, kind of. Gotcha. And she was talking to me one time. Just really just going in. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know how to do that. I said, I don't know. Well, I said, whatever you're saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what that is. I said, but I'm from Oakland. I know what you're trying to do. I just grew up. I've seen when people go there. They end up being like, you know, Kareem Hunt, you know, kicking girls. They get all out of the league. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe in any of that. So I would be like, but I'm from Oakland. I've seen it. My brothers and sisters was having kicked down husband and boyfriend drop down kicks in the street fights. When you grew up seeing that, you never want that. You make a choice. Like when I listen to I Never Knew Love Before. Mm -hmm. No, that's not the song. What's the name of the song? It's by the Spinners. It may be that Spinners song. Every time I hear that Spinners song, I think about a fight in North Oakland between my two co- my cousin and her husband. They was throwing down, like the family was trying to stop them, but the fight lasted for 10, 15 minutes. Oh, that's not a fight, that's a molly walk. Yeah, all the way <laughs> a molly walk <laughs> down the street. So like I have like fond memories of people fighting and it's like, and I you tell- You have fond th- memories. Of fighting through records. So you know when you hear music, it, it's, it's a soundtrack. Yeah. So yeah, I just told her like, from East Oakland, like I've seen it, I'm just not- I'm not doing did any she, of that. Did she shift her behavior after that? Yeah, quick. Really? I said, no, let's be cool. Let's just not, I'm not, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing any of that. Now you say that, you talk about your family, and I know on this new album, Jimmy Lee, you talk a lot about addiction yeah. and your brother. And why did you feel like, okay, this is, what made you ready at this point? Yeah, I just, I, was making a record and sometimes you make a record and you make one and you start then you go down if you go down the rabbit hole for four records um then i started thinking about what i was saying and through all my records i've talked from the tony's from tony's the first record we had a song called hey little walter what's about drugs hey, right if you keep selling drugs or doing drugs something's gonna get you mm-hmm. so from that record on it's always been a record that I've sort of mentioned this drug thing because my sister was, <clears throat> my sister was, one of my sisters was heavy in the drugs and the crack. And she was beautiful when she started, you know, and then you just see them tear down, you know, she was uh, 15 years, 16, you know, older than me. So I was the last kid got you. in the house. So I got a chance to- How many to, brothers and sisters? Well, my mother has four, right? Okay. But my dad had, what, seven or eight. So it's like- 13 okay, of so he was focused. Okay. He was focused, right. Yeah. So I was 
my dad said I was a mistake kid. You know, he said you were you were a mistake. You were a good mistake, but I gave you. My mom said, yeah, he gave me like three hundred dollars to get an abortion, and I went to the abortion place, and it took too long, so I just took the money and spent it a safe way. I was like, all right. okay, hey, it all lined up. Though. And now I'm paying taxes. <laughs> You should have just went to Safeway. Yeah. You should have just went on with the abortion and still lose it. But, uh, <laughs> Perspective. No, but um, yeah, and my, and my brother Jimmy was, um, I it's, it's called Jimmy Lee, but it's a more, not a dedication to Jimmy Lee. It's like, I just feel like everyone had a Jimmy Lee in their lives. It's an allegory. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, And Jimmy Lee is a kind of name. That is like that. Like you didn't call it Latravius, <laughs> which is a very specific right. name. You nah, know, Jimmy, Jimmy Lee just like, we feel like we all know what Jimmy, I definitely know a James that probably need to hear this album. Yeah. When Jimmy Lee hit the corner at your house, man, you would have thought, <clears throat> you know, he hit the corner like Richard Pryor. You know, it was like, hey, you know, we were I'm like, here. here come Jimmy. You know, it was a good thing. He was smiling. He was laughing. But he had been addicted since, you know, if my mother said he was since he was 12. 12 years of age. So I just started making this record and I just felt like, um, you know, I lost him to a heroin he overdose. I lost my other, my other brother was shot by my um, sister's boyfriend for drugs when I was seven. He was 27. He died. Shot twice in the chest, one in the heart. My other brother, Desmond, is was um, when I was 17, he was 19. He couldn't stop doing drugs, and he was so embarrassed that he just took a double-barrel shotgun to my dad's house and blew his complete head off. And I was at this, at the skating ring, and my brother Dwayne, other guy, I remember Natonis called me and said, Desmond killed himself. And I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, what? I come over, they take the body, and me and my dad and my brother cleaned up everything. So Stop. So then... What's therapy like? You're in therapy, right? No. Brother. The, the, I've, I've Are you gonna music. tell me the music is a therapy? No, I'm not gonna say that. I'm just gonna say that you know we. I think I am going to get therapy, but I didn't. I need all black men to stop this bullshit. No, I'm not actually saying that I don't need therapy. I know. I, I need just you didn't to go have, get it. You I didn't have. have the I didn't at the time. It happened so fast. I'm talking and about I just, now. Oh yeah, now yeah, you're, of course. You're all quiet. I'm talking right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I need you to do it. Yeah. Yeah, me and my brother both, we both have to. So my sister asked me last year, she said, why did you guys clean it up when you could have called this number? I said, my dad has a janitorial service, first of all, little Charlie, who just passed away two years ago. And when they thought he, they thought he killed my brother, right? Just, you know, the investigation right, was right, my right. dad's house. And my brother <clears throat> was doing drugs. He was living with his mom. And my, um, my dad said, move with me. For a minute. So my dad is like really, was really stern. My dad would leave, you know, $100, $300 on the table and say, okay, we all live in this house, right? Mm -hmm. We all going to work. And we come back home, this money should be on this table. Right. He was still from <clears throat> his mom's house, to my stepmom's house, but not my dad's Jimmy house. Jimmy never still from me. This is Desmond. This is Desmond, okay. This is Desmond. This is all of them. Desmond, Jimmy, Al, and my sister Sarah. Then I lost all of these. This is over like. You lost all, can I touch it? Yeah. You lost all of these? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were like, so when when they when they brought my dad back from the police station, they was walking him back in, and as soon as everybody, they took my brother in a just basically a garbage bag. It wasn't nothing. It was nothing. There was nothing left. And um, when he left, my dad just like, go give me that bucket, get some hot water, 
And we didn't think about it. We just started, you know, cleaning up. And the only the bad thing about it is when when that happens, um, you don't, you know, you're supposed to have your face covered up, right? Mm-hmm. We we didn't didn't. So when you drink water, the cup covers your nose. That means something got in your nose. So you can smell the blood for like at least four months. And then so my sister asked me like maybe three or four years ago, like, did you did you know it was a number that you guys could have called? I'm like. I'm 17 and I'm with my dad and my brother and my older one of my older brothers and, and pops is like let's clean up. So we just we started cleaning up and that was it. And next thing you know, I I'm understood. I'm on tour with Prince. So I'm like running after that. I'm just running, running and running and playing. And it was and it just I just running never, when you say running, do you just mean running in the act of like you were just moving and grooving, or do you feel like you were running away? No, I was just moving and grooving. I didn't even I was so engaged in the music and the sound. The music was always, I'm, I'm not saying it was my therapy. I just didn't think, I didn't, I mean, I was really messed up since I was seven when my when my sister's boyfriend killed right. my brother. I didn't understand any of that either, you know? So from that point on, I was like, this shit crazy. I'm like, I should look at her. I'm like, I, she was my older sister. So I was like, what the hell wrong with your boyfriend? I, I just respected her so much. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was confused for her whole life too. You know what I mean? So I just never said anything. But as things kept happening and so in between those four, you know, my neighbors was like falling like flies. Right. It was it was everybody's so the era. Yeah, it was the era. So I didn't like I didn't feel like I was the only one. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? So until I got, you know, later on, I was, you know, in the record industry, you'd be talking to somebody real casual. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I lost my brother. I lost like four brothers and sisters. They were like, what? And then I was like, then I started thinking, okay, this shit is not, not that normal. normal. Yeah. It's not. No. But so much of our communities have become desensitized to a certain level of, well, we think we're desensitized to that level of pain because it's happening everywhere. A- everywhere and yeah. so normal that we think, like, oh, well, it's not really affecting me because it's affecting everybody else. But then when you find out that there's like another option, I feel like you start to say, okay, well, how is this affecting me? Like, how you know, how do we change this? Like, how do we, like, if you look at just the black folks in general, like that type of existence of of seeing life be so fleeting and so transient, like that fucks with your head. That's naturally going to make you have a certain level of, for a lot of people, I think it makes them feel like life just really doesn't matter. So fuck it. Yeah, what I did was I really... You know, when you grow and up, and that's in how a, addiction uh, ends up happening too. I think also, exactly. like, you're seeing so much trauma, and some people deal with that in different ways. Like, I think for you, you know, and I don't know you, but like the fact that you have music as an outlet is probably what may have helped in in dis, in assuaging your going down that road in an addictive way that some people may have gone that didn't have another outlet. Yeah, I, I totally I felt like that. I just I didn't know what it was. I guess my, the biggest thing was I really hated funeral homes. I hated funerals. I don't think anybody should make kids go to funerals. It's morbid. Not when you're seven years old, like calling your name. You don't even know what death is. They're like, Charlie Ray Wiggins, car number two. I'm like, damn. Like, I never liked limousines after that. When we got into the business, would you guys like a van or a limo? I was like, a van. Right, 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 right. You know, give me a Jeep. Yeah, give me a Jeep to go to the show. I mean, I think that was part of it. Um, That's one thing that I noticed that I didn't like, you know, that I didn't Mm -hmm. like after that was. Was that like even my dad's funeral? I think like when um, they had an open coffin at some point, but I left. 
because my dad was like, I don't want you to see me like that. Well, so, you don't want that to be the last. Yeah, my dad was like funny dude, so I didn't. But I think my dark. I think the the most therapy that I had was really crazy. It's like I never did any drugs. No, no. no. You smoked, smoked. <laughs> niggas. I mean, I smoked. I smoked <laughs> at thirty two. Really? First time I ever. Me smoked. too. At thirty two. Yes. The first time, and I didn't get high. I was like, I was like, this. I is just nothing. laughed. I'm glad I didn't spend my money on this. The second time I ever smoked. I smoked. Oh yeah! I smoked with most J Electronica, wow, the Cool Kids, and we were at uh, and Currency. And when Dame Dash had like a space downtown in New York, and this is the first time I smoked. Remember, I told you I just laughed a lot, so I wasn't really like expecting. But these niggas be smoking Jupiter weed, okay? <laughs> and so I, I'm thinking like, okay, like they had found out I had smoked, and they were like, "You said you was gonna smoke with us." With us. You yeah. got it. So all I'm your like, friends want you to smoke with them. That's how my friends were. You got to get high with me one, one day. Time. Like, why? I did it, Ralph. And then there was some impromptu performance. All of a sudden, there was mics being passed around and a whole audience and Moses on the drums and niggas of is course. rapping. And the mic got to me. And I could not remember a single verse I had ever written in my entire life. The only reason I know that I handled my own is because to this day, none of them clown me. So whatever I did, oh yeah, you. I held my own. Yeah, you. you I freestyled and handled business. Yes, yeah, but see, in that I, moment, I was like, "Oh, weed I can't, is not for you." I can't <laughs> smoke and um, and sing. It just my, I turn into like you know, you never find my voice is good. <laughs> Really deep. It's like it's gone. I did that in, in some of the show in Atlanta. <laughs> I was with Lucy Pearl, and um, we was opening up for D'Angelo and the Voodoo. And I was like, dun, 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 dun. I'm looking at Don like, can you help? I'm done. <laughs> but I smoked eight hours before. It just never came back. So, yeah. I'm just picturing. That's what I I want to dance tonight. <laughs> I turned Make it straight Lou Rawls. But I think that most time it popped out is like in 97, I had never really done any drugs and a friend of mine talked me into doing ecstasy. So what was the talk? How did they talk you into it? Like, what was the method? Because everyone has their stories on like, what was told to them to make them try some shit? Oh, well, this, it was like, and I was like, he was like, my boy was like, it's just a pill and you're going to get high and you're going to feel like, you know, you know, like people won't girl's going to be rubbing on you. I was like, I know that's where it's going. I was like, I'm waiting for pussy to be introduced into this. But it was no, into this but it was no, it was no pussy involved once you do it. But it was in the pitch. Not really. It was more like, it was more of like this uh, velvet Hendrix thing, like feeling like furry and like more But you seem like the type power. of nigga that would actually be enticing. You're like, ooh, yeah. velvet Hendrix? Yeah, oh, I was okay. like, so he was, so I was like, yeah, I, I don't know, bro. I don't know. So we go out and then we get back to this party. And then I try it, and I'm scared to death. I lay down at the party by a sliding door to go into a backyard. I'm in people way, like the door they need to slide to get out. I'm so scared that nothing happened. I never got high. The next time, of course, I felt right, like now I you're was like, levitating off the ground. But did you like it? Did you like the levitating? I did like it, right? So this was 97 when I was doing Let's Get Down. So nobody, this is the first time I ever talked about this. Nobody even know, never knew. That's why people nobody come my on family. my show. <laughs> so this is all the 90, like the summer 97. So when I'm like table one, table two. Right. That's, I'm talking about these parties. But so then I, I took it one night and then everything that I remember about my brothers. <clears throat> Came back. Losing my sisters. Sister, my three brothers, 
it all came back. Did it come back when you were high or when you came down? On the down. Like quick though, not well, on because, the... because, you know, when the, you do ecstasy, yeah. it takes the dopamine. It takes the dopamine. But I'm not talking about like hours later. I'm talking about 45 minutes okay. into it when it was happening. And I had already been in the business already 11 years. So I'm sitting with my boy B. Grant and I'm like... And they, they're sitting there and they're looking at me and I can't move. And I'm just, I'm trying to keep this water from coming out of my eye. And it's like four of us sitting on the beach, like in Jamaica. Oh, and that's where you would do And it. he goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you okay? And I was like, ah! And it, everything just sort of came out. And I feel like that's the first time that I really released. All uh, the pain. Yeah, that was the first time. So I did that the whole summer of 97 every weekend. Then I started so reading you did the up ecstasy on it. Every weekend, the summer of 97, because oh, just you felt about. like it was a release, though. No, I was just getting high at that point. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, the release wasn't that. But then I started reading up on it, and then I was like, oh, this shit is trash. And I was like, what did you read up on it that made you say it was trash? Just everything we put in it, and, and they'd yeah. have to make it the same way. They, they, if they short an ingredient, they could put rat poison in it. They could put whatever in it, and it's bad for your, your nervous system. And then I started thinking about my mom. She'd already lost, you know, four kids, and yeah. I was like, you know. So I just told my boy, I said, bro, I don't want to, like, you'd have to call my mother and tell her she found me dead somewhere. Mm -hmm. She don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. And I just threw all the pills out on the, on the ground smashed him oh you did a whole like yeah i did a whole dramatic thing. performance and then they were looking at me like but you didn't have to i was like smash the exactly the pills but you're an artist so you're yeah, like yes i, I did them. i did i had to smash them but then the, the the crazy thing about it the whole for the next two years i was finding ecstasy in all my jackets that i had because i had so much because you were just locked in i had it everywhere it was everywhere did you feel addicted i wasn't addicted no how do you know because i stopped they didn't stop. 20 you years later. You feel because you were able to just cut it, you weren't addicted to it? No, I just needed, I was going to the party and I just wanted to be high at the party. Okay. No, because if it addiction... been, but if it would have been something that was, I mean, anything could be know, addictive. You know Exactly. What I mean? Like I know people who've been like addicted to lean. Like they drink in the shit every day. Like it's on, they own it. And then they just reach a breaking point where they're just like, for like you, like, Oh, this is killing me. Yeah. I've got to stop. Yeah. But I think some personalities can stop like that and some personalities True. can't. And then yeah, I won't say it's not addictive, but I But was, you didn't feel dependent on it physiologically. No. I just felt like I was going to a club. I was going place, I was on vacation, or we was out listening to house music and you were just waiting for it to hit to feel this thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then when it, that filter goes <laughs> Right. When it opens up <laughs> Then, then it comes down and then you're like feeling like then it's that dark moment I, then it's like ah oh, this is not cool I dated a dude who was a he was a, a visual artist and like he would be like you know a regular jovial person but then there would just be time like then it would be like I don't hear from him until like six in the after six in the evening I'm like what? you know and it's like I'm just really dumb really sad and I learned later that he was an ecstasy head and what would be happening was that he would do ecstasy at the house because he was like a a club like he would late do night. house like yeah He'll leave late so he night. was a house dancer so he would like go and you know dance and do house and all that shit but then the drop that's terrible the next day would just 
plummet him so far down that he would need an entire day to like get his dopamine back up and get to a level of like chemical balance in his brain. Yeah, but it wasn't happening for him in a day. When it's gone, it's gone. You need like a couple of weeks for it to come back. For real? Like, well, no. that explains our whole relationship. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just this nigga right here. <laughs> and notice how he painted me giving him a side eye. Wow. Because that was... Yeah, it's a side eye. Yeah, that's me like, the fuck? And you're like, yeah, he needed weeks to get back. You know, hearing your story and just especially like we're in an era right now where like we're seeing addiction play out in a bunch of different ways. Like now we're seeing like all this concerted effort toward white kids. Like, oh my God, white kids are addicted to opiates. And it's like, I mean, well, you know, crack has been popping for quite some time. And then you see like black kids who are like, we don't like, we don't fuck with crack. Crack is whack. But like niggas is on pills. Like in a very real way. Like I get annoyed with future because I'm like, you're not really doing Molly Percocets, but you sang, you singing about it and you look cool and your name is Nevadius. So you're kind of like, you know, a galaxy superhero. And these kids are listening to this shit. Like, yeah, Molly Percocet. That makes sense. Like I'm, I'm a rock with that. Like, I feel like we don't really acknowledge how present, like, Niggas is back on coke. I don't know if you know this. No, I know. (laughs) Niggas is really on coke these days. Like it's the fly shit. And I'm just like, I'm, and I'm such a, I mean, I'm a prude, you know, I'm, I'm a prude patty in that respect. Yeah. It's great. So when I, thank you. So like, it turns into like, you're judging me. It's like, I'm not, I'm just like, yeah, I don't do, I'm good. I'm straight. Like, um, I put up a video today talking on Instagram, just talking about how like, just as a community, as a black community, if we ever have any opportunity or any possibility of like getting over, we have to get out from under like these addictions, like in a real way. And it's not a new concept. Like that's what the nation beyond, like that's what Islam beyond. Like you can't, you cannot be your full self if you are addicted to like these poisons that are poisoning us. But so much of it happens because we're in scenarios where people are poisoning themselves as the poison they're putting in their bodies is to alleviate the poison they're experiencing outside you know and so we have a lot of listeners who are experiencing that on a a bunch of different levels and who are someone like you who like when you are adjacent to someone who's an addict like how do you manage that like how do you even get past that or get through that with that person how how long do you ride that wave with somebody before it becomes like now i'm putting myself through a struggle like the the guilt of like letting someone be in their own addiction and walking away like all of these things i feel like are coming to the forefront in conversations in a way that they didn't a couple of generations ago just because social media and right have you seen have you seen the show euphoria on hbo I haven't seen it yet. I've been it's, it's well. You know, Zendaya is from the Bay. Yeah, I know, yeah. and she stars in it. <clears throat> and you'll watch the first. Do you have kids? No. You'll watch the first episode and be like, "Oh, so I'm not gonna have children." Wow, really? Because it's so raw. Like you're just like, is this what is this what's happening out here? Like, is drugs that easy to get? Oh yeah, <clears throat> but I feel like I feel like. All these little kids at these little private schools and the ones that are not private schools been getting high like in the ninth, uh, seventh grade. Like up here, they've been doing coke like in the tenth grade. Especially here. I think I was just flat chested, and so nobody really thought I was interested. I and really then, think that, because <laughs> <laughs> like, I really just not was not. I was just too into like French fries and, and stuff like that. And <laughs> what? I, 
and like cookies. Like, so I wasn't going to take my lunch money and buy said, a joint. I was in the French fries and cookies because I was about candy. I'm, a, I'm still about candy. Yeah, me too. I was a hot tamale person, you know, Snickers. You know. Snickers, you're old school because I'm a big fan of the hot tamale. Big yeah, fan. hot tamale. Lemon one. heads? Yep, lemon heads. You know, Quincy heads. Jones talks like he has a mouthful of lemon heads. Oh, right, right, yeah. That's how he talks. Yeah. He's got lemon heads in his mouth. <laughs> Ralph, how you doing? Everything's about melody. <laughs> Everything's about melody, Raphael. When I'm Michael? Met- <laughs> when I met Quincy Jones, um, I was like, you know, I love bass lines. Bass lines are my favorite part of the yeah. record. And he was like, come here real quick. Come here. He's like, sit on my lap. Sit on my lap. And I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> and then I sat on his lap uh, because it's Quincy. He's very, uh, I'm literally in the interview like, okay, Santa. And then he goes in my ear and goes, and I was like, are you really doing the thriller thing? <laughs> Hashtag me too. No, 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 it's not. It wasn't a me too moment because I made a choice. Uh, but <laughs> no, he did not. You know he did that. Wow. <laughs> you need to see Rob's face right now because the restraint is so noteworthy. And I commend you. Uh, I commend you the same way I commend. That's <laughs> I got a lot I'm of classic I'm never going to forget that. Stories. I've been in this a long time. And I don't do drugs. So my memory is pristine. So I remember a lot of things. Uh, but I think that it's oh, really. Wait, 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 wait. He's like, I'm not done. Okay. I'm just surprised that he didn't sing Stomp in your ear by the Brothers Johnson. But okay, that's another thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a little funkier for bass. But okay, but go ahead. I feel like he went, you know, he just had to go Michael because it went, was the most safest. No, I got it. Yeah. Safest bet, you know. I got it. We're serving it. You down to answer some of these questions with me? Of course. All right, let's take it to the DMT. First question What's the best way to help a friend with addiction? And they put an exclamation point and a question mark because they really want us to answer this question. Specifically, is cutting them off making you a bad friend when all else has failed? Well, if you've had family members. Hi, friends, too. I say, I say you just have to not be available for, for them all the time. But I, I don't think you should cut them off or treat them like bad people. But you can't be available for them you know, all the time because you're, you're enabling them. If you're, if you're just always available for the, you know, for the big letdown, you don't want to be there for the big letdown all the time. Right. You got to come back and then they like smoked out, clothes bad. And you see, I'm just got to look at them. But like, is this what we're doing? That's what we're doing. I, I used to hang out with this girl and she started smoking dope. And she, I came over her house. She was a beautiful girl like you, like yourself. And, oh when, God, I, thank and you. when she, when I came back, she wasn't beautiful. And okay. so she, I had bought all this, fragrance this lotion and I, she got in my car and I was like looking at her like what happened you know and she's like Raphael just give me 40 bucks just give me 40 bucks then I was like yeah we, we sat in the car and we just even talked for like 15 minutes and then she said um I said put this lotion on your legs right and she goes you should put it on I'm like, you are far from sexy right now. Mm. Just, just not it. And um, <clears throat> I wrote this song, and it's a vintage called You're the One That I Like. It was about her. Really? So when I had already written the music and I was working in the studio a mile away from where she, uh, she lived, and I was just by her house, and I went to see her. When I saw that, I went back, and I couldn't write about nothing else but that. Yeah. So what I said is verbatim to what I saw that day, but 
some people, when people have an addiction like that, you just have to let them be, you know, but you also have to know what my record talks about a lot is they're not bad people. But when you take that chance, like I took that chance of ecstasy, what if it would have been a different chemical mm -hmm. that really clicked in with you? That would have got me. I'll be just like her or my brother. And I just wanted to look at people, not look down on the people that right. take that shot and be like, oh, wrong shot. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all want something to simplify our lives. Like for some people, that's religion. Yeah. Like for some people, it is. I mean, like we, we want something to simplify the chaos, the lack of... Um, the lack of knowing. There's just no certainty in this shit. And I think that there's like, we want that. And some people are like, you know what? I'm going to simplify. The addiction ends up simplifying things very, very clearly for you. Because it's like, I, I just, just only, only care, care about, about one thing. thing. That's it. You got one problem. That's it. I got one problem. I wake up today. My only problem is how do I get this? Everything else, you feel like everything else has gone away, you know? But, yeah. in the, the, but that's the psyche of that. And it's just like, it just... You know, there's a certain level of awareness that you have to have about just the human compassion place of that. But to your point, like, but you can't ever let it take you out the game. No, nah, you, you can't. And it's going to be with, with Jimmy. I feel like he, <clears throat> with my brother Jimmy, I feel like he was, it was a lot of people look around looking down on him. And that's how I've got the opportunity to look at him in a different way because I looked up to him so much. I never had a chance to talk to him about his addiction. Mm -hmm. Just when he would come around, he would ask me for money. Then I would be like, I got to go go somewhere and come back. And then one day, he just after you use all your tricks, you go real gator on him, on you. He go real gator on you and be like, well, the doctor gave me like 10 days of lit. Like, what? Really going to go there? So just, right, just the lies. Just the lies. Did it ever get violent? No. No, just funny. Just funny. Somebody gave him a car. He needed to fix it to carburetor fix. He never had a license. Like, you don't have a car. You, <laughs> you don't have a car. You don't have a license. Never have a license. Next, Next question. question. Do the side effects ever subside after being worked on? Guilt, shame, anger, addictive behavior, et cetera, that sort of stuff. Well, let me just say this. So when it comes to these questions, neither of us are addiction specialists. We are not therapists. We are not experts in any shape, way. So I'm going to particularly, I'm going to, I'm going to choose questions to answer that are related specifically to things that I feel like are more general, right. like human expression. Because like this question right here, like I've never suffered addiction so and because i'm not an addiction specialist i don't feel like i can even really speak to exactly what the answer to that would be what i can say is that all we end up really doing as humans is continuing to work on the things that have created trauma in our lives like i don't think that ever stops so i think when you ask like do the side effects ever subside after being worked on i would in my most hopeful positive mindset say that when you put work towards something, you do see results, but every person is different, right? Every person is different. Every person is different. This is a good question. Where do you draw the line between becoming addicted to something and just really liking and or enjoying something? Because I would say, some would say I'm addicted to hood niggas, but I just really like and enjoy hood niggas. Yeah, some will say I'm addicted to chocolate. 
chocolate chip cookies, but I just really like chocolate chip cookies. I don't and, think I'm addicted. Right. I just know where to go get this them. This is the second reference to chocolate chip cookies that has been made in this podcast, which That's lets me right. know you so are a fan of, of the chip in the cookie. Really chocolate croissants, though, more than anything. So a pan de, pan de chocolate. Pan chocolate. A real one, though. Not the little fake hard ones that you get at like, the no, grocery No, we're talking stores. Paris. The like, real ones. The chocolate was inserted the with a The ones in Echo syringe. Park. We got some real ones in Echo Park. You got real pan chocolate in Echo yeah. Park. You live in Echo Park? Yeah. I see. I can tell by the poncho that you live in Echo Park. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Even though I have been told, and this is not me coming on to you, that you are actually a hood nigga. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's actually been told to me. Like, I've literally had someone say to me, like, don't sleep on Raphael. He be wearing the, the, the poncho, but that's a nigga right there. And the asterisk that was added, well, not even the asterisk, but the, the bottom line was like, you know he's from the back. Yeah, of course. You know you from Oakland. You know you see somebody from the Bay. It's, it's a girl or a guy. They, they say, it's nice to meet you. And they go, I'm from the Bay. <laughs> then you have to start all oh. over with the hug. You got to come in and give it. Do a hug. Yeah, because if you don't, when they go back home, they be like, yo, I saw him in LA. He was on some different shit. <laughs> he mani. <laughs> um, they would say you're on some goofy shit. I've been learning a lot oh, yeah. of Bay lingo lately. He on Game Goofy? Game Goofy. Game Goofy. Game Goofy. Game Doofless. Game yeah. Game Doofless. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't know about Doofless. Oh, yeah, they got them all. Doofless. I think um, I think the difference between addiction and liking something a lot is, are, is dependency. I mean, I think that's what it ends up being. And I think some people mistake dependency to mean only a chemical dependency. You can have a habitual dependency on something. You can have, you can have a dependency on something where it is now... Uh, it is now affecting how you move in the world. Like on a, like for instance, like I have somebody in my life who's like, I don't eat unless I smoke. And I'm like, well, that's a problem. Like your appetite yeah. should not be controlled by a substance that exists yeah. outside. I have of friends like that too. They roll up five joints in the morning and before they eat, they smoke a joint. And they're not going to eat without the joint. Without the joint. And I'm just like, you know, that's, and like people love to say like weed is not addictive, and I'm like skirt skirt skirt. <laughs> First of all, anything that's mind altering has an ability to yeah. be addicted to because your brain is moving in accordance with it. But I think like the reason that I'm not de- addicted to hood niggas is because I'm not dependent on the niggatry of hoodness. There you go. Okay, you hear me talking to you, but I'm really talking to myself. Exactly. Um, because when you talk about the ecstasy, it sounded like you just liked it, but you weren't necessarily dependent no, on it. No, I didn't it. need it. No, at all. But no. you said that you was doing it because you was going to the party. Could you have still had a good time at the party without the ecstasy? In 97? No. I don't think I would have went to that party. Because in 05, I was definitely alcoholic. Okay. And I say that on the, on the spectrum of alcoholism because there's a spectrum. But I would say that because I was hosting parties because I was on MTV at the time as a of VJ. Course. And so I was like hosting parties all the time. And I don't like parties. But I got money doing it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go out. I'm going to be in the mix. But at a certain point, it's like I don't really want to be here. So I need something else to like allow me to, to be, be there. The so I became dependent on two shots of Patron on my rider at the booth every time I arrived. Yeah. And when you can do six shots of Patron and be chilling, we have a problem. We have a problem. Yeah. And so I had reached that point. I was drunk for the duration of 2005. And then my uh, otolaryngologist, my vocal cords doctor was like, you can sing or drink. Choose. And I just had to cold turkey just stop. And I didn't drink for two years. 
And, but I think alcoholism in our community, especially like in entertainment, people be real loose about drinking because they're like, oh, it's social. Like, it's cool. It's nothing. I'm like, if you can't be out without it, if you can't come home at night with and go to sleep without it, you got to start thinking about like, what role is this playing in how I move through the world? And then we be doing shit in front of kids. I'm, I'm ranting now, but it's my part. No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> because I really like have a strong, I just have a strong passion for like, just at this point specifically, like how we are bettering ourselves internally. I feel like the external can really get dealt with when we deal with the internal. And this addiction shit is, has been a device that's like been used to control black people specifically for like quite some time. Like literally since slavery, they were providing us with Coke to work longer in the fields. Like that's like a thing. So, you know, Rob is looking at me. What'd you say? I didn't know that. That's why I was looking like, like the Coke. Yeah. Wow. The cocaine. They would give us the leaves to chew on. Mm -hmm. To pick cotton. Yeah. Wow, that's and specifically like in Brazil, like the slaves in Brazil and in the in the Caribbean, yeah. Mm, that makes sense. You see, my brother was that old that he might have picked cotton in Louisiana and came here. And then he came here and he got. But even think about like Ray Charles and the boys, like they was on Heron and and Gil Scott Heron, like that that shit was just provided. Like you got to think how how is it that you can't find food in the hood. Because there's food deserts, right? You can't find food. But if I walk into any hood right now and announced that I would like to get high. They'll find it. They will find... What? I was in Baltimore for my show Smart, Funny, and Black, which which I would like like you to do do at some point. point. I was doing Smart, Funny, and Black. And the venue, walking up to the venue was like the the drug swap meet. They was like... They were saying shit we never heard of. (laughs) They was like, we got, we got. We got you, them flower dollars. Yeah. We got, we got them, them duplices. Purple, <laughs> like, purple lavenders and them. They like, we got the Nevadius K2s. Like, what do you, like, just everything. And we were like, what is this? But you just see that, like, here we are in a, in a town called, in the city of Baltimore, where it's like, why is this so accessible? But like. Be more. That's crazy. But then they were telling me simultaneously that five high schools in Baltimore did not graduate one senior uh, for three years that didn't require remedial courses to go to college. So it's a problem when we see that it's, it's way more accessible to get drugs than to get an education. Like that's like a real thing. Um, I know this has been a really fun interview for you. Um, <laughs> it's so serious, but like no, it can't not, not be. No, you know it's I mean? good. No, it's good. Uh, all right, we got one question. One more question. One more question for Raphael Zadik. Hi, Amanda. I hope you are doing okay. I am. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how are you doing, Ralph? I'm great. Fabulous. Great, great. I'm a smoker. I don't necessarily always eat healthy food, and I don't go to the gym or exercise steadily. What are we doing, Playboy? What are we doing? And I feel this is due to stress at work and to life in a more general manner. Okay. How do you live a healthier life? And manage to be steady about it when life can be so overwhelming sometimes. It seems like he has all the answers. If you if you know what you're doing, I feel like if you know what you're doing wrong, it's it's your. I think that's the best start because you just have to like you have to get focused and you go say what do you want to. I tell people like eating healthy is not a not a, not a part of living a longer life. You don't know. We don't control that, but. You don't think eating healthy has anything to do with living a longer life? Not if you get hit by a car. Yeah, but you might have a higher possibility of surviving the hit. 
Not if the second car hit you after that. God damn it, Rob. You know, but, I mean, <laughs> but maybe, no. but maybe, but maybe if you had been eating healthier, your peripheral vision right? would have been sharper. That happened. Your that, reaction time could have moved. Been, you could have <laughs> moved. Right, that's true. But I just feel like you just have to tell people you just have to eat really good to try to feel better that's that the, day. Yes. Yes. And then I think you'll be on your way if you try that. You know, if you smoke, if you're smoking weed all day and you eating terrible all day and you're like 30 or 28, 27, it may work out. If for, It might. Right. But when you get, you know, 30 to 40, your body's going to start saying different things and you're going to know like this, this uh, these burgers, these fried chicken these that pizza. we love, this yeah. pizza is not really working out every Niggas day. Niggas is 40 now and really like, hold up. This oh. shit is hitting me. Yeah, yeah. He said, you gotta... You I know your generation in particular got to 40 and was like, hold up. My generation was looking crazy at 23. <laughs> 23. I mean, I go to my class reunion like 10 years ago. And I was like, okay, it's a little different. You know, it's like, it's a little different. A little different. It's a little different. My 20 year reunion just happened and I did not attend. Right. Because I want to plan a 25-year reunion, and I want us to be on a boat. So, Dr. Yeah. Phillips, just know that's coming, all right? Yeah, I want to do that for my class, too. I want to, I want to give them a legit... Yes. Not a $100 banquet dinner with a cash bar. I... Yeah, and then they're kicking us out early. The lettuce has been sitting on the table for 30 minutes before anyone arrived. Right. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? I it's went like, to a well, I'm no more drinks. I was like, what? That literally happened at the last one. They that said happened that they said, too. They said they ate the most depressing fettuccine Alfredo. And then had to pay for drinks to talk about mediocre lives. Wow. Listen, that right there was like, ooh, that sounds like a show. I need to write that. But I just, I feel like, you know, to your point, when you know, when you can recognize it, then you can put the energy towards it. And then you got to ask yourself, like, well, why? Because you sound depressed. You may not be depressed, but you might be in a funk. If you're smoking all day and, you, and you're not working out and you're not eating healthy, there might be something else going on that's having you wallow in that, in that type of space. And I would say the first thing to start tackle is the working out. Because there's something about, because when you work out, release endorphins and it'd be making you feel like Superman. It makes I, feel you, like, I feel like running is like a good thing too. If you, if you got some okay knees, go somewhere, <laughs> run on some like really soft dirt somewhere. And I feel like that's the real test in life because if you can't run a mile and you're 20 years old you're done for i mean i hate running with a passion deep yeah. deep a deep passion like how your voice sounds when you smoke and try and sing yeah. like a deep a <laughs> you'll deep, never find yes like we're doing monologues on boys to men records to try and get women back <laughs> like a deep passion so i found tennis so in, running right so in tennis i'm running but i have a goal so i cannot play tennis I'm getting pretty nice. People like, I, I, last time I played tennis, I felt like somebody was making me just, they were standing in one spot and I was the only one doing this. <laughs> Disrespectful. <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> they were like, shh, shh, shh. And you was over here gunning. And I bought rackets. and I, you know, Oh, you I, got into it. I got into it. I bought all the gear. I was about to just. Be out here. And I was just like, Raphael like, yes, Williams. Not it's not working out. Not. <laughs> well, I just think, that you got to find what your workout is that works out. That makes it a lot more. I feel like that's the first thing. Eating healthy is a kind of difficult thing to do sometimes, depending on where you're living, because it can be a monetary thing. And nothing, just don't be discouraged by these, like these, these meatheads and, and like in gyms, all mm -hmm. these, all these different people that's already Slow in shape. Niggas. 
is. Yeah, don't yeah. get don't be intimidated by that. Go somewhere and get your workout on yourself in your house, wherever. Go run, go walk, and take your time, and don't go start cutting up your body because if you're 25 and and you see all these girls or guys that's in shape and you feel like you want to look like them tomorrow, it's okay to take two years to get in shape. Well, yeah, I mean, vanity is different than just wanting to feel good. You know, right. looking good is one thing. Feeling good is another thing. And I love the point that you made about like, yo, like it's not about living necessarily living longer, but living better while you're here. Like you don't know if that car is going to hit you. But when that car hit me, I want to be like breathing. Oh, come back. <laughs> oh, Bert. Maybe come back. Like I want to <laughs> still be a, I want to, I want to know that like walking up to that car, I was light footed and feeling good right. and. You know, Mr. Bluebird was see on the my car shoulder. Come and you couldn't really sprint to get out the way. You don't. That's you want to know that if the car came and hit you, you felt as best as you could up until that point. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. You want to be able to jump on the hood. Well, that's ideal. We want to be, be able shape. to Miles Morales. If you can't like get off your feet because you just can't move. <laughs> you, just, you know. <laughs> I feel like working out sometimes gets mixed up with like, like there's fitness, and then there's like I'm trying to be. 50 cent on my album cover in 2003 <laughs> that's the range like i'm wearing bra strap tank tops you know yeah. like there's there's a range then there's but there's also just like the fitness of things and side, side note, note if you're trying to get your fitness on at soul cycle or equinox or any of these companies that are owned by this money maker who is actually doing a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar a plate fundraiser for donald trump in uh the hamptons find somewhere else Please, let's not continue giving money to this person who is giving money to that fucktard. And I know y'all going to be upset about me using the term fucktard, but in this context, fuck it tard. makes sense. And the reality of things is that you have so many ways to work out. Like, I, I had started working out using YouTube videos. Yeah. Like, there's people on YouTube. Like, there's fitness apps. Um, I think we've even advertised some fitness apps on on this podcast. Yeah. Someone sent me a jump. I got a jump rope in my Fat Pit Fun Box, and I went outside and started jump roping. You know what the best workout you can do, y'all? Turn on, do the right thing, and do fight the power with Rosie Perez. Wow. Try and mimic Rosie Perez and dance to the entire song of Fight the Power. And let me tell you, your core, wow. your core, after you do all them pelvic thrusts, yes, you can see her right now, right? And you got to also make the face. You got to make the angry face so you're working out your facial muscles too. got to work that out. That's right. So I feel like, you know, I feel like we've given you all some really solid tips. Yeah, definitely. Working out is uh Do you work key. out? Now that we talk about workout, do you work out? Yeah, I get my Gucci man on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gucci man is a great example of what happens when addiction is kicked. Because we've discussed this before and somehow I didn't know this, but there was a fine nigga in Gucci man. We never knew that because You're Gucci man. I mean, he was swole with an ice cream on his face drinking lean and he went to the bing and he said while he was in jail he had the epiphany of like he had never considered that he could live without drinking lean every day he was like he was like he had gotten that far to where it was just like that concept of living without drinking lean had like not occurred to him but because he was in jail he was forced into withdrawal and into getting through the addiction he said and then this the idea that the it was like the thought was able to break through because it didn't have the block of the codeine and promethazine in front of it. And he was like, you know, he started realizing, like, I can control my thoughts. I don't have to be like putting this poison in my body. And next thing you know, he broke it. He, he broke, broke it. it. Well, my nephew, one of my nephews was heavy into lean and he lives out in um, in the Bay and he broke into a CVS with a mask on, with a gun. And it's my great nephew. And he 
stole all this whatever the ingredients the ingredients and he went home into his girl's house and the cops went there because they had like the chips in there and they just went to Wow. They just followed the, right. Followed the It was chip. like find my iPhone. Right. Find my iPhone and they just got him out the house. And I was like, when I talked to him, I was like, really, dude? He was like, I was laughing actually. I was like, dude, you are just not smart. Like they just But was like, he getting it to to sell it or to do it? To he drink was doing it. it. And it was that serious. It was that serious. Wow. Yeah, he's good now. I was gonna say, how's he doing now? He's great. He's great? great now, but I, I mean, it was a surprise to me. Nobody told me that it was even happening in his life. But when I found out, you know, I was like, wow, kids are like breaking in stores to yeah. get it. Comedian, to uh, it. comedian Michael Blackson talked about that recently. And he's like a comedian who, for what it's worth, is more silly than anything. Right. And, right. you know, he's always talking about like, I'm a black nigga. Like, I'm crazy. I'm black. I'm black. You know, you you know who Michael Blackson is. Right. And he got real serious on his Instagram recently. And then he did an interview on The Breakfast Club where he talked about how his son, had started doing, um, I think it was K2, uh, but base, I, I might be saying the wrong drug, but basically it's like what they're, something they're doing to weed to make it so uh, like intense that Ooh, it freezes dream. you up. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it literally, it's like, it, it feels like five heartbeats. Like, no, give me a number, man. Do I look like I got a phone? Whoa. Like, it's like shuts them down. And he said he, he didn't know that his son was on this. And he said, that's what, he said that was the trippiest part of all of it. That like, how could you not know that your child was doing this? But it's like, it everything is so pervasive now. We're all moving so fast, so we kind of yeah lose sight of these things. But I always say we are each other's business. Like I'm very vocal about shit. Like I know people be like, oh, it's none of your business. Fuck, Fuck that. that. You my business. If I see you doing some shit that's fucked up for yourself, that's hurting you, I'ma say something. You know, I feel like I'm working on my tone in how I address it. But at the end of the day, like if we don't call things out for each other, I want everything called out. Don't be the person who, when I break up with somebody, comes after and is like, well, you know, I ain't really fuck with the nigga anyway. I'm like, why you didn't tell me? So the same way, like if you see me drinking too much and I'm acting a fool on a boat. Don't let me get off the boat. And then tomorrow I'll be like, you was drinking too much on that boat. You better pull me to the side. I have instructed people. Like, if you ever see me yeah, acting most a fool, people won't do that, though. Like, usually when, so when, you, when you're doing ecstasy or something, when you stop and then everybody start hiding it from you, the same people you was doing it with, like, start like. Why are they hiding it from you? It's just a, you, you're not in the circle. The circle of. You know, getting high. The E-heads, right. Yeah. They feel like you're not in a circle. So, you know, when you're passing around, you're sneaking and everybody's like. Because they don't want to be judged or they're just like, you ain't in. You ain't in. But so when it hits, everybody want to be like, you know, like it, it happened. It's just weird. How did that feel for you when that happened? I went to them and just told them like you would. Like, hey, y'all got to start treating me like that because I'm not. I'm cool. I know what y'all doing. You're not hiding this shit. I could see. You got your your beams are like, <laughs> like, you're like hey, <laughs> you're in it. I see it. You're in. I'm cool. I'm drinking ginger ale. <laughs> I'm over here with a Shirley Temple. Yeah, hard core, <laughs> hardcore on the rocks. Right. Well, Jimmy Lee, <laughs> Jimmy Lee. So first August of all, 23rd. first of all, praises to Jimmy. Yeah, we hope you up there, Brebra, Brebra, cracking up. All the folks up there yeah, with the jokes. Exactly. He's probably like, why you didn't grab him after me? Because I wanted people to see his name too. And I say, I tell people it's not all about Jimmy. It's about some of it's about me. Um, once I made the record, I started listening to some of the lyrics and I was talking about other people. And I was like, that sounds I'm talking about myself. Ooh. Yeah. 
Introspection. Yeah. So, you know, once it was done, you get to look back at it and go. And like, so when you said that, when you realized you were probably talking about yourself, what did that, were you just like, I'm probably talking about myself and then you went about your business or were you like, I'm probably talking about myself and then you sat down and looked at yourself in the mirror and had a conversation with Raphael? Oh yeah, I did. 100%. I just, I just kept listening to it over and over. Like, so when did I think I was talking about this person, but I was talking about me. Mm. Yeah. Or. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. The last dose. Well, we have always been fans of your music and your artistry. I think something that a lot of people appreciate about you is just the consistency of being inconsistent. Like in the way that you, we, the consistency of variety. We just never know what you're going to come with, but we know that it's always going to be solid. And I never know either. So that's what I just said to myself. Like, I just really enjoy going, what am I going to fuck with next? That's been a part of my, you know, it's like having a show and having content. You know, sometime you can have MASH and have 38 seasons of the same thing and be the most successful syndication, syndicated show ever. <laughs> or you can be switching and switching and switching and hoping everybody like it every time. And hopefully your friends and fans are going to come along. You're going to lose a couple sometime, but you gain some, hopefully. And hopefully everybody come back. I just like that I got to sing Mash under your talking you just go. now. <laughs> but it's true. And hopefully everyone come back. And so y'all got to come back and support Rap's album, Jimmy Lee. And uh, thank you. You got to come back and do Smart I Friday will, Black. definitely. Come back to the show here at Small Doses. And uh, we appreciate and you. You got to do another flip-flop. You got to find some grass. I think I that have, was the hottest I thing I have on the like Jeep. rocks. I have rocks by my pool. Like I have like a waterfall. I'm like <laughs> I got a waterfall like, at my pool. It was like, what? what's Be- going on? I do flips off the rocks in my pool. That's what that's what okay. gives me my my flip. Okay. But I got you. Now you know that every time I do a flip now, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be like, this, this is for Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send it to flip you. Flip flop. Back, 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 tuck. If you ever do a record called Flip Flop, I'm like, that's me though. You gotta hit a back, back, tuck. Oh, I got you. You got it? I can twist. What? With the twist, too? See, I know all about it. I just couldn't know. I was just punked out so much. When I saw it, I was like, damn, I just... she went back. I'm like... <laughs> she went side. side. All good. We still landed in the same place. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Star Avenue. A podcast. <clears throat> A podcast network.